theyeshiva.net. Okay, page Yud Beis, one, two, three, four, five, five lines from the top. So at last we applied, I should mention that today is the yard site of the author of this Mimer, Reb Hillel Paritcher. His yard site is Yud Aleph, Menachem Av of the Yetof Reish Chav Dalad. That's 1864. <clears throat> so at last we have come to decode the marshal, the long marshal that has been explained, that when the teacher, in middle of his teaching, experiences this new flash of wisdom, this incredible, profound insight, and he must interrupt the communication with the student in order to grasp this new epiphany, and the interruption happens on three levels, with, in three stages. On the level of Chachma, where he senses the new insight, but at this point he can still wing it and continue to communicate, even if it's not with the same level of vitality. And in stage B, Bina, where he must already pay much more attention to the development of the new idea, and therefore his words may become confusing and his inner thoughts, his new inner thoughts, may change the words which the student will immediately realize that there is something off. And finally, in the third stage of Das, where the teacher will fall silent, and all communication will stop, and the deeper he gets closer to the grasping, the, gets, the, the, the more he gets close to the grasping of the new idea, the new hamtsa, the new epiphany, the new insight, the more the distance, the more the absence, the more the silence to the point that there's no communication whatsoever, not even a gesture with the hand, not even wait for a moment because he's now totally consumed by the new insight. What's from the teacher's perspective, only the deepest desire to give his student everything, to give his student all truth, in other words, this is coming completely from the love to his Talmud, from the student's perspective, is perceived as absence, distance, detachment. And really, on some level, neglect, or abandonment, or even betrayal, if he doesn't know who his teacher is. And as a result of that, there's two dimensions that are both very real. From the teacher's perspective, there is a deep closeness. This may be the deepest moment of closeness because the entire experience is here just to give the teacher, the student, everything, even the deepest truth. And yet from the student's perspective, it's a moment of very powerful distance and therefore there's a pain involved. And the two are dependent upon each other. They're not separate. It's two perspectives of the very same reality. And we can understand how this works in the marshal. If the teacher does not do this, if he just allows himself to continue being present, he will never ever be able to reach that state of consciousness 
and share that with the student. It may disappear, who knows for how long, maybe even forever. But here there's stage one and stage B, two. Stage one is where the student is confused, meaning he doesn't know what's going on. All he sees is this blank look on the face of his teacher who used to be so close to him and is gone. Stage two is when the teacher gets it and the student sees that something positive happened in the world of the teacher. He doesn't have it yet, but there is a, a glow what we will what we call what we call nihiru da anpin, a brightness on the face, a glow on the face, and the teacher he got it, and that glow itself gives comfort and solace to the student, who could now see that there's something positive happened, even though he or she did not get anything from it, which of course, in the nimshal is the difference between tlasa, the poranisa. And Shiva the Nechemta, between the three weeks till Tisha B'Av and the seven weeks that follow that. Because as the language that was used from the Savim, from the writings of the Arizal, in the stage one, Tlasa de Puranissa, there's the Histalkus, there is the ascent, the departure from the old Moichen, from the old state of awareness and therefore communication on the three levels of Chachma bin Adas. But if we remember the language that was used all the way back in the beginning, it was that after that, you have the Zayin de Nechemta. After the Histalkus of Gimel Moichin Chabad, you have Zayin de Nechemta, which is Isgalus Moichin Da'atike, in the Midis of Zah which means the revelation of the new level of Moichen in the Midas of Zah, meaning in the Midas of the Mashpia, in the experience of the teacher. Now we can understand what this means. The reason that there was the Histalkus of the Moichen is because of their perfection. They reached their ultimate state, Soif Maisa, and therefore what happens now is there is this Eirus, there's a birth of Moichen Da'atika, of a new level of awareness in the teacher, that is what happens, and from that his Eirus, the old Moichen, have to leave and dissipate. There has to be an ascent, a departure from it on three levels, Chachma bin Adaz, and that's what allows for the revelation of the new Moichen. But the first revelation is where? In the seven middos of the Mashpia, after it reached his Chachma bin Adaz, which creates a glow and creates the Nechama in the mind of the Mechabal who now has to get to the next stage, which is opening himself up for this new level of awareness. So that's what we continue now. V'lachain, Yudbeis, five lines from the top. V'lachain. How do we know that the Mashpia really got it? We saw that the departure was so drastic that even his external thoughts and words are not being communicated to the student. In other words, there is complete silence. Piske de chiyusa, the entire lifeline has been interrupted. This is the sim and this is the sign that the new moichen have been absorbed not only by his chachma, by his bina, but also by his das. In other words, the, the muskel, the idea is completely ready in the mind of the mashpia. Because that's what das is. Das is the protim that come after the bina. 
ולכן מסגלם תחילה בזיין מדויסף של המשפיעה שמספויל מזה. And therefore, this idea is first revealed and manifested in the seven midos of the mashpi of the mentor, who's affected by it, who's moved by it. The new awareness affects him on a level of midos, which means it touches his, his core emotions and values. Because das is always the source, the key to midos. Das is always the intellectual intimacy which makes the idea relevant. And because relev- becomes relevant, it becomes part of me, who I am. That's the das, va'adam, yodas, chav. Chachman bin, it could still be abstract and detached, but not das. Va'ha'oras midoisav shalom ha'shpiyashu nehiru da'an pinshaloi. And the light, the fact that it's glowing in his midois, which is called Nihiru Da'anpin. Nihiru Da'anpin literally means, as I said, the light of his face. There's a glow on his face. Boikin, they burst forth. And this casts a glow, even if it's a superficial glow, on the recipient, on the student. That he should at least experience some solace, vikivui, and hope, and bitochen, and trust, al knowing the love of the mentor, that gives him the chizuk, the inspiration, the empowerment, the strength, even in a very dense darkness, because momentarily at the moment, there was an interruption of the flow of vitality, as we explained. For him, the words of his Rebbe is his lifeline. He's a Talmud Muvik. He's completely committed not to miss a word. And there's tremendous pleasure and delight. And it all came to an abrupt interruption. And for this, for him, this is a, you may call it a, a traumatic, a very deep void that's created. Nonetheless, there is a Nechama, there is a Solus, because he trusts believes and hopes that there's a new light coming, even though he knows nothing about this new light, because all he knows is that there was a lack of communication. And afterwards, then could come the next stage where this makif, meaning this light, which is still in a state of makif, it has not permeated the student but ultimately it can burst through and inter- be internalized by him. Meaning, Now he needs to direct his mind and his heart to receive the new, the chadoshes. He's taka a good student, very good student, but to be makabal the chadoshes, the new insight, the new epiphany, now he has to redirect his moyach and his leif. And the preparation is always in two stages. Aleph, number one. For his mind and heart to become vacant of previous thoughts and ideas, to become a truly empty vessel, even relative to the emptiness, to the openness that he had previously. For Habayz, number two, he has to become close, emotionally and conceptually completely close, to the mentor, tune in, to hear from his Rebbe, the new insight, Alderech, similar to the expression of Chazal, um, to, to make your ear like a, um, anybody knows the translation, Afrechesis, huh? 
A receiver, yeah. Um, what? Yeah, like a funnel, a vessel that is completely tuned in to be able to channel the words through him. His ears are completely become a conduit. A conduit, you're looking up the translation, thank you. A conduit to be able to receive this information. So there's two stages of preparation. Stage number one is going away, stepping away. Huh? A receiver. Afreches is a receiver. One is stepping away from the old, and the second is tuning into the new. Stepping away from the old means carving out the empty space, a clay raycon, even from the previous level of awareness. That's step one. That's like sur meira, that's like what not. But that's not enough. That's, that's big. That's the prerequisite. But step number two is now, to become close, to tune really in to the mentor to be able to receive this new experience. These are the two hafshatas. We spoke before about two hafshatas, two new um, experiences, two new hafshatas, two new strippings of the previous layers. Number one, we called hanachas atzmusay or hanachas kolatzmusay, which is what he's saying here suspending everything, putting the self on the side, carving out an emptiness, an openness, an openness, which is an emptiness, clay rakon, an openness to the new idea, and removing it, removing anything else that's there. And number two, opening yourself up, becoming close to become what we call nekuda tachas hayesoid, that I am completely tuned in to the, to the new awareness. You're asking, usually when you learn, you want to hold on to the previous because it just adds to that, right? Right. So the Gemara says about the Metziah that Reb Zeira, yeah, some memtan nisa, another bavli. Reb Zeira, when he was going to Eretz Yisrael, he fasted, 40 fasts or something, 100 fasts, so you should forget Talmud Bavli. So he should be able to understand Talmud Yerushalmi. Now imagine somebody tells you he knows the whole Talmud Bavli, but he wants to start learning Yerushalmi. He's going to tell him, fast, fast for half a year so you forget everything. On the contrary, right? But the truth is that because there's learning and there's learning. Reb Zayda understood that the Derech Halimud of Talmud Yerushalmi is a different Derech Halimud. It's a completely different paradigm way. And the remembering Talmud Bavli... It's not that he had to forget the facts. The, 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 you're talking about real, real learning. The paradigms, the Yisoidus would destruct, would obstruct and interfere the ability to be able to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. So he pushed it fast and imagine a hundred fasts, a hundred fasts to go through a metamorphosis to be able to be ready for a new Derech Halimut. Much like sports, because the Rebbe comes up with a new Einfang Masukya. Now, Lachas of Sugi don't say, Abayi still says this, Roa still says this, he's giving you a different whole way of looking at, at the stuff that's in the Sugi. See, you're not really... Right. So you're not moving away from facts that you learned that are Torah's MS, that are timeless. You understand? You're moving away from the certain ways, a certain bias, certain perception, certain perspective, certain paradigms that ultimately will interfere with the new reality, the new experience. To understand what these two stages are, you can always understand something from what, from, 
from from what it's not from what's not from the lack of it. Right. In other words, <laughs> this is very interesting. When you want to understand something, so understand what's what's missing without it. If you'll explain to me what's missing without it, so then I'll understand what the contribution is. If you just talk about something, and if and if this was missing, nothing. So if it was, so that means it's nothing. You always understand something, and what if I wouldn't have this? And then you can measure always the contribution of it, right? When you see the lack, the head there, so then just like we know when somebody's missing something, they often appreciate what they have, because until you don't, like the Pasuk says, Yoinus tells his best friend David, tomorrow, you will be remembered because your seat will be absent. Sometimes it takes a seat to be absent to remember somebody. Sometimes people are not remembered when they're there, right? I, you see them. You take it for granted. You take them for granted. You become remembered. It's a very real idea. Sometimes a sad idea. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's on another level. They also become holy. So, but the truth is in everything in life, it's that way. When it's not here, I can appreciate it. But here we're talking about a concept sometimes. When you want to understand something, you want to appreciate, in other words, see really what it is. See what's lacking without it. So he says, Yosef will understand them much better may I date him from the lack of it. Let's see what's a student that doesn't have this. Let's talk about a student who doesn't have these things. What, what is it like? He doesn't have it. He says, Yeshmi Sometimes you have a student, he listens well. Vikailat and he absorbs. Which is a big chiddush. He's ready to absorb letters and words that he doesn't understand. As long as they left his Rebbe's mouth, he will listen to them, he will absorb them. Which is already a certain madrega, because you have somebody, if I don't understand it, I just shut down. Anybody knows that experience? In other words, I'm not really committed. I don't have, what do you call it, skin in the game. I don't have skin in the game. As long as it's working, it's nice, it's fulfilling me, good. The moment it's like, whoa, okay, I'm done, have a wonderful day. I tune out, that's why there's iPhones, and I go do my own thing. If at some point you're going to come back and you're going to entertain me again, I'm in. So he says, that, that he's not even talking about. That's Bechlal Eina Eila Lashulchan. That's, uh, that's, you know, the person is Stam. It's not called a student. This is called, uh, you know, entertainment. Entertainment. But here we're talking about a person, he's going to listen to words that he doesn't understand. That's a deep thing. Why? Because they came out of the mouth of his Rebbe. He understands that he still needs to be medactic. He needs to understand them. He needs to relate to them. What he will not do is divest himself, strip, literally strip himself. Mafshit means strip himself. That's what it is. Removing. He will not strip himself from his previous haskalas, from his previous ways of looking at things. But Eifin, Shekol Yidi Yosef, listen to these words, incredible. But Eifin, Shekol Yidi Yosef, Asagosef, Bedivere Rabbi, Hurak Alpi Yidi Yosef HaKodmas. He will only allow his entire appreciation of the words of his Rebbe based on what he knows before. His preconceived notions and paradigms remain the defining containers that qualify 
and reveal and explain all the words. In other words, they have to fit into my filing cabinet. I have a filing cabinet. The filing cabinet has been developed over 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 years. And the words, I'm here, I'm here, I'm in. And I'll listen even to words that I don't understand. But I'm going to approach it based on everything I know from before, and that's how I will absorb the new ideas. And therefore, he will be successful, but he will never reach an understanding, an awareness, in the words of his teacher, like the other student, who's ready to strip himself from all the knowledge that he has before and is actually trying to tune into what his Rebbe is saying, not his appreciation and understanding of it. But apparently sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. It does not allow me to really, really tune in to a whole new perspective, which means there is growth that's incremental. Right? I know something today, you'll add something new. And then on the contrary, like you said, I want to bring everything I know to the table. But sometimes there's a truth that what's the Lushan and Tehillim? Um, could you pass that Siddur, please? The Balatanya says, it says in Tehillim Memhei, Shimi Vas Uri Vahati Aznech. Listen, my daughter, look and Hati uh, bring your ear over. Incline your ear. Very good. Hati And forget about your nation and the house of your father. So the king can crave your beauty. What's this? The truth is, it's what Hashem tells Avram. Now, this is a very deep idea, and frankly, this is not an easy idea what he's saying here. We're not talking here about a guy who's an addict, and he's drinking alcohol every night for three, four hours and gambling, and then on the web for the next of the night, and you're telling him that as long as you're going to continue this lifestyle, you're going to destroy yourself. You really have to go cold turkey and abstain. Over there, it's very hard to argue. I mean, unless you're an addict, you're not going to argue with this, right? Everybody understands that. And even if you're an addict, you probably can't really argue with it if you're, if you're being honest, which is, of course, hard for an addict. But here we're talking about a completely different idea. It's rooted in the same idea. And that is, this Talmud, everything is good. He's a real student. <laughs> He's a real, real student. And as a real student... His mind is filled with, with, with wonderful information. But that's what MS is. What truth demands is that ability to be able to allow every paradigm in me to be challenged. To open myself up completely. And that's why I call it, I called it Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh doesn't always mean you're sacrificing your life physically. But sometimes mental Mesiris Nefesh it's very, very intense. It's very powerful. Can I truly, truly step away from all of my paradigms and preconceived notions and open myself up to something new? It's not hard. It's very hard. You know why? It means a certain admission that everything I built up really now has to be 
move to the side for a whole new reality, for an unprecedented reality. In life, this is a very difficult thing to do. Sometimes you could see it with parents and children. If I have been relating to my children a certain way, and at some point a person realizes they made a very big mistake, the greatest resistance comes from the fact, can one admit that 20, 30 years have been based on my insecurities, my traumas, maybe my good intentions, but I was clueless, I was ignorant. It's too hard. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight till the last moment. And even if I hear new things, great. But as long as they fit in to the filing cabinet, I have no problem. (laughs) If it's a good vart and I could put it somewhere in, but I have to find a place in the brain for it. And if I have no place, what do I do? I say the guy is a lunatic. The guy is an extremist. The guy is an apicurist. The guy is a weirdo. <laughs> we have all these words to be able to allow ourselves to remain safe, right? If what, huh? I'm not yeah, I'm a chaya. If I could find a place in the file for it, I'm good. I'm good. But even if I don't understand it yet, I'm tuned in. I'm not so selective. I listen, but I take it from where I was. In other words, I'm ready to listen to you as long as it fits into my previous paradigms. That's a wonderful, he's a wonderful person, but a Talmud he'll never be. A real Talmud he'll never be. A Talmud Muvak. What says a Talmud Muvak? Talmud Muvak means all I want is truth. I want the truth of my teacher. I want the truth. I want the real, 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 unadulterated, raw truth, whatever its consequences. And if that means I have to look in the mirror and say, hmm, Whatever I have to say, that's fine. Even though that's painful. There may be a lot of tears in that. That's what a clay reikon is. Clay reikon is not a small thing. That's what hanochas atzmusim means. Hanochas atzmusim means to take my entire atzmius. And hanochas atzmusim is I carve out an empty space, an, 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 a complete emptiness. There's an old chassidic, chassidic interpretation. There's a Mishnah in Chagiga. Kelim hanigmarin betahara tzrichim tvilo lekoidish. Literally it means Kalim, vessels, hanigmarim, when they were completed, when the, the silversmith or the blacksmith or the goldsmith completed their development in purity, because a keli utensil could, is susceptible to tumma, but only after it's complete. When you're still making a pot, it's not makabal tumma. Only when it's done and it's worthy to use, it can be makabal tumma, because a vessel is not susceptible to tumma until a person actually can use it or uses it until it's complete. If I'm still in the middle of, of I still have to put the, the handle or I still want to make a design, even though it looks complete, it's not Makabal Tumah, right? If a dead mouse falls into it, it's not Makabal Tumah. So Kalim Hanagmar and Betara, the Mishnah says, if I finish it and I finish it with purity, Tzrichim Tvila Lekaidush. If you want to put a carbon inside, you have to put it in the mikvah. Why? Why? So literally it means because for carbonas they were so strict that it should be pure that even though I decided to finish it and I finish it with purity, I was made sure I was pure, so my contact with it was pure. But for carbonas it still needs to go to the mikvah. There's a there's a homiletical interpretation. When somebody feels that he's a Kaili Gomor, he's a, he's a complete Kaili, and he's a pure Kaili. <laughs> if he wants to absorb Kaidish, he needs to be submerged himself completely. And you know, when you're submerged under the water at that moment, 
you lose, like a person under the water, you can't live. It's a certain hefsa kachayas. It's a certain interruption of life, even though we're talking here about a keli. But the concept of tvila means a new betzias. The person coming out of the mikveh is like a transformation. You need a new transformation, Lakaidish. Sometimes this is where it becomes tricky. If the Talmud wasn't ripe, if he wasn't nigmar batara, if he wasn't a real Talmud, it's not so easy to dismiss my old paradigms. But if I was a good Talmud, so my paradigm seems so beautiful. My paradigm seems so educated. So now to be able to become an empty vessel becomes much more difficult. Sometimes you have a person, you speak to them, they confess ignorance inside. In other words, they know, I don't know anything. I'm a blank slate, right? Elisha ben Avuya says, Dioi ksuva al nayar chadash. I'm a blank, fresh piece of papyrus or, or paper. Huh? Huh? Papyrus. Papyrus, yeah. It's the one statement that Chazal brings from Elisha ben Avuya, right? In Pirkeyavah's Perik Dalet. Elisha said, Teaching Torah to a, to a child is like what? Is like ink written on fresh paper. But Haloyim Torah Zakin, if you're only learning Torah as an old man, then it's Dyoik Suval Naya Machuk. You know that piece of paper was written and erased and written and erased and erased and erased, and now you get a couple of letters on it, but it's, it's not fresh. There's one self Abreng in Shabbos, so the Lubavitch Rebbe said, what's the message? What is he trying to say? What is he trying to say? It's a nice thing to say, teach Torah to your child as a child. But what happens if nobody taught me as a child? So what is he trying to say? Nebach, your Torah is, uh, is uh, fahakt. It's not really going to go in. Like, what's the statement? What is he trying to say? It's a good thing to say, to teach Torah to a child. Learn Torah as a child. So that's what he should say. But he says, no, Aloyma Torah Zakin. Is this an encouraging statement? Somebody didn't have a schus to learn Torah till 40, till 50, till had the kasha. The kasha is echgit fadir. Fadir tatas. Kasha is What's, do, this Jews, a Jew didn't have the opportunity to learn Torah till he was 60 years old. So he's learning Pekayavis, and basically the message is, it's erased paper. You're wasting your time because nothing is going to get absorbed. Besides the fact you really need Pekayavis for this, everybody knows what you learn at three years old, you remember for life. And what you learn at 61, you forget a few seconds later. Present company excluded. <laughs> we all know what children are capable of learning. We know how many languages you can teach a child. I mean, we dumb them down usually. But you know what children, children are fertile, wet sponges. They can learn everything. You don't need a mission picky of us for this. This is, everybody knows this. Once you hit a certain age, it comes a haktarai and it takes a very long time. It's not so easy. So the Rebbe said Elisha ben Avoy was actually saying something very profound. At any age, he's talking about any age. At any age, you could learn Torah as a child or you could learn Torah as an old person. Even when you're 80 years old, you could learn Torah as a child, you can learn Torah as a zaka. That's what he's saying. He's not trying to discourage people who never had an opportunity to learn. He's trying to create a paradigm of how you learn. It's two different ways of learning. <laughs> you see, he's been learning this Mishnah, and it was a discouraging Mishnah. Because the whole life, huh? At what age did you come to start learning Torah? <laughs> Very good. Kid, you were listening. You were listening. The Yidah Kaddish, the Svasamas. Every day we should be kind of
that's what he's saying. It's an attitude. In other words, really a clean slate, to be a clean slate. But how do I even become a clean slate? In other words, me telling myself that I'm a clean slate may be part of the problem. <laughs> because that itself, I come, I'm a clean slate because I am a clean slate. This is where a person often needs to allow themselves to be challenged. And when I'm uncomfortable with something, when I find myself resisting and uncomfortable, so I have to ask myself very deeply, is this resistance actually an invitation to be able to let go of the old and open to the new? Uh, now, this student who just finished hearing this unbelievable shear, male, it's not even the first time he came in the morning. He just heard this unbelievable shear, and now you're telling him, forget everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the paradigms that were guiding your way of understanding the world that allowed you to understand the previous shear will become the greatest interference and static to understand the new shear, which is the reason that your Rebbe had to interrupt the shear. He also had to interrupt it. Why? Because he himself needed a, a new experience. He couldn't continue winging it. He himself had to depart from the old to get the new. So you think you don't have to depart from the old to get the new? But here's where it becomes tricky. Yesterday's redemption becomes today's exile. Yesterday's expansiveness becomes today's trap. Yesterday's awareness becomes the greatest static for a new level of awareness. And at some person, at some stage in life, a person is inclined to say, enough, enough. I've already gone out. I already went to my therapies. I already got out of all my stuff. Enough. I graduated. Ooh, Alicia Benavuya says, you graduated. That's the beginning of the end. If you graduated, fine. Now you could say goodbye. You could say Kaddish on yourself. Huh? Emmanuel from Atlanta, Atlanta. Huh? On one level, it's exhausting if you're arrogant. If you're humble, it's the most refreshing thing in the world. If I'm arrogant, it's very exhausting because my arrogance is always challenged by it. But if life, if I become humble, if life is about truth and openness to truth, then it's the most refreshing thing in the world. Because it allows myself for, it allows myself for newness, real, real, real newness. And, and, you know, very often in life, it, it's a real question you have to ask yourself. Am I really, really open to something completely new? So if I was involved in shtusim and narishkeit and nonsense my whole life, of course I'm open to something new. But here's where the challenge is. I was, I was listening to good things my whole life. And I thought I was mamish barking up the right tree. And then to say, but now it's time to be able to transcend yourself, to be able to discover something, there's something much, much deeper. But if you want to get that, you could get it on your terms. But on your terms will never be on its terms. On your terms means, you you know, it it works for you. Or what we call, it's a good vart. (laughs) It's a good vart that fits into the whole roster, was it roster of, of, Roster of Vertlach, you know, so I have another Vart, another Vart, another Shir, another Vart. Or I can allow myself to be transformed by the information. And to be transformed requires a tremendous sense of humility that is very, very deep. Do you understand what I'm saying? Rabbi Isaac, the first taste? You understand how hard it is? You understand why people resist it? 
I'll fight against this. People will... It's professing failure. And by the way, even if consciously you say, no, of course, I'm talking subconsciously. I'm not talking consciously. Consciously, you're a good guy. You say, of course I want to hear. But subconsciously, I will kill. (laughs) I will kill every new insight. I will make sure to somehow make it work with my system. You want me really to say that I should become a a new person? You want me now to be a one-year-old child? Yeah, a one-year-old child. A one-year-old child. You know that one-year-old child we, we were doing that meditation, right, who looks at the raisin and doesn't know what it is? Can, can I do that? Can I look at this like for, for 40 minutes, you know, <laughs> like the baby in the crib and turn it around and say, this is a waste of time. I know what it is. If you think it's a waste of time, you're stuck. It's a waste. I know what it is. I know what it is. Really, you know what it is. Okay. If you know what it is, then that's where you're going to stay. You'll know what it is, and the whole world, you'll know what it is. And everything will fit into that. If I could say, I, I know, I know nothing. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm, I'm, I'm a, this is Mamish, a clean slate. Teach me. Teach me truth. Teach me life. Be open. This is the uniqueness of a child. This is, it's the curiosity. It's the inquisitiveness. Most importantly, it's the humility. It's not distorting information based on previous paradigms. Now let's face it, the greatest source of distortion are inner traumas and inner dispositions because we relate to the world from certain glasses. I put on these glasses, I never take them off. These glasses I take off, but there's deeper glasses I don't take off. And everything I see through these glasses. Now, sometimes a person went through a transformation in their life my father-in-law mentioned the Baltruva. Baltruva went through a major transformation in his or her life. And that's a unique transformation that an FFB, so to speak, did not have to go through that transformation. So if I went through, and even FFBs, if we, I mean, I don't like those words, but, uh, even somebody who had to work on themselves and d- d- grew to a particular place here in a way, and take this, take this with sensitivity, the danger becomes worse. The danger is, there's so much, so much perfection here. There's so much good. In a way, you become the worst clipper. <laughs> I don't mean you. I mean, you understand why, right? Because it's like, it's, it, you become a real shell, a real husk, because you have so much to back it. You have so much opium. You have so much religion behind you. You know, you have quotes. As as long as you don't have quotes to as long as you don't have quotes to support your 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 stuckness, so you're pretty good. The moment I have quotes and sources and proofs, but he said, but that one said, this one said, but 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 but, so I could remain so powerfully stuck in my own quagmire, which actually may work. And that's what he says: the student will absorb everything, but only on his terms. You can't compare it to somebody else who's really tuned in. To what the emesis is, what the truth is. It won't penetrate his das. Not he a certain. He may get a little Yeah. Even if it's das, but it's going to be the das that he molds and he, uh, this and, which is nice. It's nice, but it, it's not the truth of the idea. And this is, yeah. Of course. Of course, of course. Of course, a teacher will never inspire this in the student if he's not challenging himself on the same level. That was, that was part two. That was of the three right. things that, that caused the teacher to get to the Soros, the recoil from the ideas colliding with the student. That was the second. He has to be ready to reinvent himself. In fact, this is what happened in the story. Because he was giving a beautiful sheer. Everything was dandy. 
But then he realized that there's something completely different and he had to grow silent, which is not easy for him. He himself had to forget himself and his connection. So if he's not open to it, he'll not be, he will not inspire that in the student. You know, there's no such a thing that, uh, there was once a big mashpia in Chabad. His name was Rabnissa Nemenov. So he once said that the Lubavitcher Rebbe told him personally, he says, as mem- as mimant epis von a Talmud, daf menmonen von zich, lechol apaches kiflayim, toppled. When you demand something, you're challenging your student in a way, you have to ask of yourself at least double. At least, <laughs> minimum. In other words, the, to challenge yourself on the same level as shit, it's not gonna work. Because <laughs> if you're the mentor, you're in a higher, in a higher space, at least double. But it's a very profound idea because it's not like, okay, you grow and I'll remain on the ivory tower, eat chalent, and I'll watch you grow. It doesn't work that way. And that's where all trust is lost. So, so 100%. What did you want to ask? How does all this work with the way we've been learning for thousands of years of this fighting back and forth, this tabrusa, this arguing, <coughs> this bringing what I know, this, this trying to knock down the other guy to show what's the truth, getting to the truth, as opposed to being open and, 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 not, and not having this fight. Right, this is the battle. Um, uh, I don't know, I never heard of this way of learning that you described. <laughs> what about, I don't, I don't, what's it about Hashem? I never, I don't, I don't think it's a... Nobody wants to win. Nobody wants to win. The whole paradigm of, of, of a kavusa, which is unique to our way of learning, is is against this stubbornness. Idea. Stubbornness in what you believe, uh, and, and bringing what you know. But you can have that with still willingness to say, "I'm going to give it all up." You can't come with it with nothing. You can sit there with nothing and then have the same idea of. Of, of bringing everything you know to try to get to the truth against what this person is telling you. You mean because... Tell what your, what your Chavrus is telling you. You mean because your Chavrus won't be impressed? Why? No. If you're honest and you give in and you go further. If the fighting of the the, the argument in the Chavrus is just because I have to hold on to my point, then what type of learning is that? Okay, so... V'yesh... So this is the first stage in allowing the student the openness to be able to ultimately absorb the, the new idea. If this doesn't happen, the new idea will never be able to really, uh, really come in. How does one uh, even begin to do this? How does one even begin to do this? I think we begin to do this simply by the knowledge of this fact, the knowledge, the awareness of this concept that to allow myself to be moved in a way that I don't have to impose my interpretation. The challenge is that how do I even do this? Like, I'm always going to impose my interpretation. Like, I'll allow myself to be moved the way I want to be moved so how does one really, it's like, almost seems like a vicious cycle. 
because my eye is always there, right? <laughs> I'm open to you based on my openness to you. Like, no, I'm really open. Yeah, I'm really open based on who I am. Like that ability to really, it has to come from a very deep, deep place that can observe how I'm responding to things. That's really, I think, uh, where one can begin to get a hold of this. Like you really have to go backstage, so to speak. <laughs> go to like a very deep place in your mind that can, observe, that can observe how you're responding to it. Like what am I doing? What am I, re- what am I doing with this information? Am I manipulating it? Or am I not manipulating it? That's the idea of a hundred fasts. A hundred fasts means that he understood that with his mind, it's too tricky. He will not be able to do it. He will not be able to do it. Because all the information is already clouded. Nebzeda? Most people wouldn't even understand it today. Because... Yeah, because the way we learn, the way we learn today is mostly facts. So what's in Talmud Bavli, Talmud Yerushalmi? Another svar, another question, another answer. The way that Mirayim learned was, there was a derech halimud. There were paradigms of comprehension that Talmud Yerushalmi and Talmud Bavli are two different worlds. You're like in a different planet. Different planet, different rules, different way of thinking. It's hard for us to understand this even. So, so the process here, it's a very profound one. Like in this muscle, what happened? The teacher was in a, in a, in a good place. The student was in a good place. There was an intimacy. There was communication. There was life being communicated. And it was amazing. It was incredible. And then that all came to a, a brutal end, a very brutal end. For the teacher, for the student, what really happened is I'm left with nothing now. The old idea is gone. A new idea I have not. And I'm gone. My teacher is gone. Everything is gone. If there's no trust, he runs away. He runs away. That's it. I'm done. And, you know, he tries to safe fill the void other ways. If he's a real student, he remains. And in that stage, there's stage one, the Tlosa de Puranissa, where there's just concealment. Concealment is the new idea just came into the world. A new light came into the world. And that new light is overwhelming. And if the teacher and I remain in the same paradigm, we'll never grasp it. And therefore, he moves away from the old paradigm. And I'm left, right? What was the expression? Hanging dry, so to speak. I, I feel that way. But really what's happening is a new, a new awareness was born in the world. And if I ever want to grasp that awareness, I have to go through this stage. Because if I remain and the teacher remains in the old stage, this new light will be lost. We call this the light of Mashiach, the light of Geula, the light of Abes Hamikdash, right? That new light. But at this stage, the new light, we explained in the last year, a very important Friday shear, why Tisha B'Av Mashiach was born. That's the new light. But that light comes with a destruction. Always a destruction. That's very, very powerful and very painful. Very painful. Shiva de Nechemta is, I don't have the new light yet. But I could see that there's a light. I could see it on my teacher. That gives me hope. But now I have to open myself up to the new light. So that's already stage B. And that openness is going to require a lot. Because if it wouldn't require a lot, it's not a new light. It's part of the old light. So, you know, we have the model of a teacher and a student, but the concept is always existing in life. The concept exists in, in so many, so many areas in life. The essay I sent out for Shabbos, uh, some of you got it, 
um, when the cracks show up in your life, it's time to let the new light in. Uh, what does that, what does that mean? You'll have it, for example, uh, you'll have it, for example, with uh, your relationship with children sometimes. You know, that's a challenge a lot of people have. As I said before, you educated your children, you tried hard, you're a wonderful father, you're a wonderful mother, everything is good. Suddenly there's cracks everywhere. There's cracks everywhere. And what am I left with? I'm left with confusion, uncertainty. I don't know what's happening. And then sometimes there's there's darkness, there's negativity, there's detachment. Yeah? Your child somehow disassociates from you or you find yourself disassociating from your child. What's happening now? Most people would say this is the darkest moment. And there's a good reason for that. We call Tisha above the darkest day. Comes Chassidus and says, it's the darkest moment because it's also the brightest moment. That's such a powerful idea. It's the darkest moment. There's no denying that. We're not in la-la land, but it's because it's the brightest moment. Because a new light just set into the world. And because a new light just set into the world, the old light got to go. The old clarity got to go. What am I left with? Nothing. A mamish left hanging. It's between one yesh and another yesh. There's a complete iron. It's the seed that decomposes in the ground before it can grow. We spoke yesterday, right? That seed has to go through a major bit. It's got to be thrown into the pit and decomposed, not once, but many times. And what happens in that decomposition? You look at the scene like, Nebach, Nebach. Wait, 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 wait. You give me 70 years. <laughs> Or 10 years, 5 years, you'll have the most delicious apples, dates, and figs for me. The point is, at the moment of decomposition, decomposition, you're left with nothing. You're left with nothing. But that's the moment. That's the moment that the seed opens up itself to a space where it can become a source of tremendous vegetation and produce. That moment of darkness, that moment of confusion, I don't know what to do. There's complete uncertainty. You know why? Because a new light was just born. And for the new light to be absorbed, the old light, old light got to go. A person has this experience. I didn't give this metaphor with children in the essay. But a person has this experience in a marriage. There's a marriage. It seems blissful. All is good. And suddenly, crack, 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 crack. The wall is now falling apart in the house. At one level, you could say it's all over. But if you understand the is this may be the best moment, a painful moment, but the best one. Why the best moment? Because this is challenging you to a new light. Yes, maybe you were living in la-la land in a very shallow place. The same is true your relationship with Hashem, your relationship with yourself. And almost in every, in every area of life, in every single area, take happiness, happiness, right? It's those, those moments of darkness that can be seen in two ways. It's darkness or there's a new light that God wants me to have. And this new light means that the old light got to go because the old light is what's interfering to the new light. It's like the old structure doesn't allow your house to be an expanded house. So you have to demolish the structure, break down the walls to create space. But breaking down walls is not fun, especially knowing the contractor who will not rebuild them so fast. So it's always very difficult moment, but it's always the greatest moment. What do you do to hold on during those moments? What do you do? What do you do to hold on? That's what Shiva the Nechemta. Shiva the Nechemta is, I don't know how it's going to work, 
but I know it's going to work. <laughs> I know that there's a light. I see, I could see that there's a light. Now I have to open myself up to it. Yeah? When you speak about Rish Chodesh, what's Rish Chodesh? Chodesh is the new month. You can't see the moon. <laughs> you know why you can't see the moon? Because it's actually in closest proximity to the sun. What allows us to see light on the moon? Reflection of the sun. When is the moon in a perfect, perfect position where there's a, um, a straight line of the sun, the moon, and the earth? The moment that there, that there is a, what is it called? Uh, alignment of the sun, the moon, and the earth, that's called the mylad. The moon is reborn. And at that moment, you'll never see the moon. <laughs> you'll never see the moon. When are you going to see the moon? When it grows distant from the sun. It starts moving away from the sun. If you have the sun here, and the moon here, and the earth here, so the moon is facing the sun completely. So the half of the moon that's receiving light from the sun, we don't see. So that's the time when the sun is mamish, giving all the light to the moon. It's in its closest proximity from the whole month. The 15th of the month, when there's the most light, it's the furthest away. The 15th of the month, the sun is here, the earth is here, and the moon is here. So we get a perfect image of the sun, of the moon. Rishchidosh, right? We call Moilad Halavani, you don't see it. Why don't you see it? Because it's reflecting the sun. It's like reborn. It's completely in touch with the sun. What does it look to me like? Darkness. When it moves away from the sun... When it gets this, is suddenly I have the light. Isn't that a funny thing? Yeah. Ah? With your own son as well, yeah. It's interesting how Jewish months work. The numbers go up. Tesvav, 15, the moon eclipse, uh, wanes, but the numbers still go up. Tazayin, Yedzayin, Yedchas, Yedtes, right? All the way up. You would think that it should start going down. Because when it goes up, it really means it's more. But it's not really more, it's less. It's following the moon. But the truth is, what do you mean by more and less? It's really going up. The moon is becoming smaller. Why is it becoming smaller? It's becoming smaller because it's getting closer to the source. And whenever it gets closer to the source, the old light is being diminished. So if I remain removed from the source, I have amazing light. When I get closer to the source, the light gets more and more and more diminished. Huh? Yeah. I'm waiting for the new rebirth, the moilad. Rebirth means I'm becoming a child again. And how do I become a child? I become smaller and smaller. I have less light and less light because I'm experiencing more of the source. And because it's more of the source, therefore my light is being diminished. Huh? And then in that moment of rebirth, you don't see the moon, you don't see the moon at all. And then when it moves away, you could start seeing the light. So in terms of the light of the moon, it's getting diminished. In terms of the relationship with the source, it's getting more and closer and closer and closer. So whenever there's a new light, a light from the source, the old light is diminished. And the more it's diminished, the more there's a new light. Like this teacher, the more his absorption of the new light, the less the communication. And the communication wanes, and it gets less, less, and less, and less, until it disappears. Why did it disappear? This is the moment of rebirth. This is the moment of the moila. The reason the light disappeared, he stopped talking to me, is why? Because he just got the new light. 
until now he didn't get the new light completely, he just had an intuition of it, so he could continue teaching. In other words, he could still reflect light, he could still be the moon. The moment when he gets the real light, we call it the moilad, the moilad, he's perfectly aligned with the sun, what happens? He grows dark, I see nothing, 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 nothing. It's the worst moment, and it's the best moment. It was the best of times, and the worst of times, and it's exactly the same thing. The worst time was, the worst of times was the best of times. But at this point, I don't feel it. All I see is a dark moon. I don't see anything. So I'm left in the darkness. Why am I left in the darkness? Because the moon just absorbed a completely new light. And the moon wants to give it to me, but not yet. So at this moment, I'm left with nothing. All I'm left is with cracks, 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 confusion, uncertainty, a lot, a lot of pain. However, if I trust and I stay with the program and I stick it out and I invest in the process, what happens is I open myself up to a new light, Gewalt. And when you open yourself up to a new light, everything is changed forever. Very good. Haloy Metoira Yeled, Haloy Metoira Zake. The Hest? Ah. People come to a Shia, right? They're often cynical. They hurt everything. What are you going to teach me? Rabbi Waiwai, what are you going to teach me? Right? We shut down. We become old. We become old. I told the doctor, I saw the doctor or something, it's a hard thing. She didn't like it. That's something else. You're in the barn. What happened? You, may, you didn't even make one comment today. You didn't even make one comment today. It's a chiddush, much more, double, triple, ten times. It's not even close. The Rebbe once told one of his secretaries, told me, he said, before I say, I ask anything from the Olam, I first um, think to myself if they're capable of doing 50% of what I ask for. And then I speak about it. Yeah? Not even 100%. First, I think many times over if they're capable of absorbing and doing 50% of what I ask. So once the Nisan Nemina was fabrenging and he said, how many things were we not zoiche to hear from the Rebbe? Because he thought that people won't even do 50%. <laughs> it's a Chosin's response. How many things did we lose out because we didn't think we're ready even 50%. That itself, that's the process. No. A new slate doesn't mean I take a sledgehammer and I knock my brain out. A new slate is, it's an inner place. You understand? It's not, you can't force it. It's like, okay, now I have a new slate. What do I do? A new slate is just a complete commitment and readiness. It's a very... Uh, you ask, you just go back. That's the only way you get... You're not a typical Tehavusha, so you're not learning. You have to have a real 
Like saying, yeah, yeah, generation. A lot of people didn't do it. A lot of chavrusas are not. Uh, that's why. That's why your question was very deep, because if the teacher is not ready to do that to himself, he will lose the student. Yeah, the first one to do it has to be the teacher, and then the, and maybe that is. What makes him the greatest teacher that he's ready to do this more than the students? What, what, what allows him to be a teacher? What puts him in the position of a teacher? That he's the first one to ready to say, I'll change everything. If not, then it's a joke. Then it becomes a mockery, becomes a mockery. Then he himself becomes the greatest interference to his own wisdom. And unfortunately, all the kids that I know that have any intelligence say, Shut up. They don't know how to do music. They don't know how to balance the old good that they found. Yeah. Yeah. It was a new evidence of... Yeah, yeah. No. Rabbi, what you said yesterday, one show of the that I don't lie to you, you can see a lot of kids, or a lot of kids that have that addiction, is when they get triggers, the parents did not believe them. Yeah. But this is very true what you're saying. Students or children come with, with new ideas, fresh ideas, powerful new ideas, whether in science or physics or psychology. And all the teacher can say is, ah, garbage, nonsense, just, uh, and then they, uh, huh? spirituality also, ah, just, you know, just, just follow me. And it's like, uh, so one of two things happen. Either they have to numb a certain part of their creativity, in order to belong. Which is, they don't do. Where is it? At least your kids don't do it. Some kids do it, unfortunately. Or they have to uh, detach. Like, there's no trust anymore. Rebbe Zriel Tafasta? Katafta? Efatim Tzadza? Afmakin? Latim Tzadza? Haloi Matoida Yelad. I'll ask a question. I've given Shiurim for many years. There's two types of people that come. There's people that don't come. Okay. There's people that don't. There's people that come, you know, to try it out. Uh, how entertaining is Rabbi Waiwai? Somebody tells me, he says, I try to listen every day, but there's not enough jokes. And that's it. Fine. Okay. Yesterday I finished the Shir, whatever it was, an hour and a half, two hours. I leave. Somebody says, thank you for the entertainment. Okay. Fine. And your jokes are funny even at 1.5. Thank you. Thank you. But there's two types of people who come and listen. One person I see is, uh, is their life changes from the ideas, from the truth. Their life, they're just transformed. And they're like, every, they're mesmerized by the information. They're like with an open mouth, so to speak. And others can't get to that space. Not they don't, they're just, it's not there. It's like, you know, it's nice, it's good, I'm, I like it, it's good stuff. What's the difference between the two? Not that one is more or less intelligent than the other. They're both very intelligent. For one, there's mamasha transformation. Yeah? Mamish. There's a few people who sit or listen virtually, I get messages from them. It's like, it's like oxygen, it's, 
They allow the power of the ideas to penetrate them and remake them constantly. And others don't. It's a very, it's, it's, it's a very powerful idea. The Hesfasich Zog? Huh? I see him for the open mouth. Yesterday I was watching. And closed eyes. I watch more him than you. He teaches. He teaches his father how to listen. I, I observed him yesterday. It was <laughs> He was, he was, he was, he was I told him when he first came to the I said there was a man coming to the shir nine, nine months ago. There's a, another man coming to the shir now. He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "That's the same person." Beautiful. Panam chadashes But it's a fascinating thing, and you can't force this on somebody. You can't say, "Allow the material to reinvent you." I, I can't. You can't tell that to somebody. Because if it's coming from somebody else, it's not reinventing. It's a very deep, deep process. It's really allowing truth, allowing Ein Saif to reinvent you. Wow, that's, it's amazing. And once, and once that happens, it never stops. Because infinity will not stop reinventing you. Because if it does, it's not infinite, right? If there's a certain point where, okay, this is it, then it means I just closed off. I just, I just closed down. That's why, you know, real people, the older they get, the more they grow. The more they touch truth, the more the transformation. It's a fascinating, usually we, you know, formidable years, teen years or young adult years. But by the real, real people, the transformation between 70 and 80, it's hard to understand this. And it's very few in generation or in a generation. Between 70 and 80, is greater than the transformation between 10 and 30. And it wouldn't make sense. 70? You're done. Retired. Right? Time for the Eneklach, for the Ur Eneklach. No, 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 no. If it's infinity, it's the other way around. The more, the more in transformation. I'm not 70 yet, but uh, that's what they say. <laughs> Rabbi Litzman comes every day with a fresh slate. He doesn't uh, comes every day. They have a Hashem. Thank God you have a lot of questions today. Could have been much worse. You could have said today I have no questions. That would have been a death sentence on the Shia. Somebody who's not triggered is not good. They're not triggered. If like everything is good, I told you the worst compliment, I, the two worst things I hear after a shear is good vart, or it's similar to what I heard Shabbos Shalashudas. Somebody said a Shalashudas Psavart on the Parsha, why this? And I'm like, okay, death sentence. <laughs> Filing cabinets, just put it in. <laughs> Same idea. For me, it's a bit scary. The more I know, or the more I think I know, the more challenging life becomes to me. Yosef Das, Yosef Machov.
Yosef Da'as, Yosef Machayev. Agony. Shloima Malach says, the more perception, the more machov, from the word ke'ev, the more pain, the more acuteness, the more acute awareness, the more you're But it's like, it's like, when Shalom throws you at you, curveball, the minute you think you know more, it's a new light. A curveball is a new light, always a new light. It's a very powerful idea that when you're facing a moment of uncertainty and confusion and everything you knew is not working, it means that he just gave you a new light. It's it's such a powerful idea. Everything I know is not working. It's because there's a new light that just came in. And a new light can only come in if the old light gets... How do you explain it to kids? How do you explain it to kids? I don't know if you can explain it to kids. You can live it. You can live it. And the children will absorb it. You can live it. Yeah, I mean, the, te- the, the teen years, it's always dramatic. The teen years, you know, they have to say goodbye to being a child. They're not adults yet. And it's like, where am I? And I don't know who I am. They have a lot of fear. And at that moment, you got to just hold on very tight. You can't figure it all out. You just got to hold. It's like a roller coaster. You got to foot on a seatbelt. And hold on tight, and don't run away. <laughs> That's what we spoke yesterday, by your mind, you don't run away. You know, uh, I wasn't planning to read that poem, Moshe, I was not planning to. As I was giving the shear, and I was speaking about people who go through challenge, and their own Tisha B'Av, I realized, maybe I should read it. And then I had a conflict in my mind, is it too vulnerable? Am I disclosing information I shouldn't disclose? person wrote me a private email. They didn't ask me to publicize it. They didn't even think I would. So in my mind, just a nanosecond, yes, no, no, yes, it's inappropriate. Uh, is it really appropriate for a sheer? It's not nice, you know, this is dark stuff. And then I thought, you know what? A lot of videos on Tisha B'Av, a lot of programs on Tisha B'Av. I know nobody's going to do this. And, uh, this, this, this is, this needs awareness. This, people should understand what people are going through. And I decided I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm saying it. But, but then when I looked at the crowd, I knew immediately that there are people who's like, stop with this drama, please. I lost my this. I lost my this. I lost my this. Just as we say, grow up. And move on. So that's why I said, I know that there's people who are thinking, think I'm dramatic and the writer is dramatic. And I want to tell you, he's not even being as dramatic as he should be because of what he's going through. Because I myself was clueless. And, uh, you saw it triggered a very powerful electricity. There was like a, a hush in the crowd. I mean, whoever was there saw it, right? There was a, it was like, uh, there's level, there's levels, uh, there's levels of electricity. On the hookup, probably you couldn't hear it on the on the videos, but uh, it was very intense. Nachan Israel, it was intense. Hashmal. Okay. Uh, there was like a helem, like a certain shock. Okay. I I didn't prepare it. I that's why I had to check the email. I was hoping that the email I didn't like archive it or this. It was there, so I I got it because I I knew I didn't I wasn't preparing it. I didn't have it ready. But I want you to know that the writer of the email, and he sent it last night, the night of Tisha B'Av. 
And he said that I was watching on YouTube and the amount of chizuk, the amount of strength and inspiration and validation I received, he said, was incredible. I would never imagine that you would read such a thing. I sent it to you. I would never imagine that you would read this in public. And, uh, and he was just like, he was, he was like, you know, very, very emotional. And then he, you know, he thanked me for the words afterwards. I said that it's a seed and you're gonna, you're gonna become a tree. And, uh, I realized just for that, just for that, yeah, but I didn't know that, I, I wouldn't know that he was, uh, I guess so. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and similar people. So he wasn't there, but he told me that he, he, he watched it on YouTube. I was sharing with you, so I knew that moment that it was, it was the right thing to do. And then he said, what I was really impressed is that you said that I was not as dramatic as I should have been. So I wondered, how does he know that? Because it's true. I didn't write all my pain. I didn't write what I was experiencing. I was minimizing it, even though it was pretty dramatic, but I was minimizing. So he said, that, I was shocked by him more than anything else. How did you know that? He said it was so true. And the validation he received, he never received such validation. Because his family, you know, dismissed it and everybody dismissed it. And uh, he went through a lot of tremendous uh, difficulties. Good choice. It was the right choice. Just for, just for that, it was the right choice, especially that there's other people, plenty of other people. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on with purifying ourselves. We have the, of the, of the Japanese lady. That, that, yeah. The Giyaris. Similar, like, validation. You know the Misa? I said it here. Okay. I said it in your car? <laughs> okay. I'm glad that I said it in your car. Yeah, I said it here, I think, right? Uh, one morning, yeah. Okay. We could move on, yeah? Now that the new light was born, it's time to move on. And you incorporate them into the new um, structure. You keep the mahogany floor and you incorporate it into the new structure, even as you renovate it. So what's your point? So sometimes the destruction is not a complete destruction. Oh, of course. You hold on to the good and the true, right? Yeah. Of course, of course. You hold on to the good and the true. Like obviously, Reb Zera, he didn't give out certain. Of course, of course, of course, of course. It doesn't mean that he Reb Zera forgot Talmud Bavli, in the sense that anything he learned is gone forever. There's so many halachas that you have to know that are in Talmud Bavli, not in Yerushalmi. That's why he needed a hundred tanaisim to make the room, to make the space, not to throw it out. It means that of Talmud Bavli that would interfere with Talmud Yerushalmi. I don't think we can really understand what this means because when we learn, we're learning more factuals. A svara, another svara, and you try to understand it. The way the Tanoim and Amirayim learned, it's really a whole discussion, is a very different way. They didn't learn like, okay, another Pasuk, another svara. There were paradigms of thought that guided them and he had to go beyond that. A different pair of glasses, yeah. Different pair of glasses. Today, you're not going to tell somebody, oh, forget Talmud Bavli to learn Talmud Yerushalmi. You really, you remember Talmud Bavli? Good. Hold on. Chaza, chaza, chaza. 
There's also the big question, right? In Mishnayis, it says, Kol dover echad You're not allowed to forget. Certainly do something to forget. Mamasha Isser says it's a love. Pantishka chasadvarim. You're not allowed to forget. Yeshiv Yisirim Alibi. You're not allowed to. And here he fasted to forget Torah. No, but I've got to understand what that means. Okay, Kashia. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.